What is up? Welcome to Sight and Sound, presented by Hard Guy Media. Eric, what up? Happy President's Day. Happy President's Day. Glad to be here. Day off from work. Just kind of been hanging out. I know you've been doing the same, so it's nice to do this. Yeah, maximum lampage and uh, just fucking chilling. Uh, that last draft we did, the Masters of Horror draft, we had so much fun that we are bringing another draft today and doing a 1983 albums draft. So we are each drafting albums from 1983. And this is... Obviously timely as we are 40 years past 1983. So a 40th anniversary of albums uh, draft 1983, any album that was released in 1983, eight rounds back and forth. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. This, these drafts, uh, they opened up a whole new world. Did they not? What was that? I'm sorry. I said these drafts, they, they, they opened up a whole new world. Did they not? They did. They did. They're a lot of fun. I mean, it's just cool kind of. And and I know you're you're like the, uh, the when it comes to uh, years, you're the guru. So if anybody has a question about when something came out, come to Jesse, please. So but something like this is cool because it just obviously I'm a big fan of the music, but uh, I don't always remember what year uh, something came out. So this is really cool to kind of put some of these uh, releases together and, you know, obviously a lot of different genres. So. Oh yeah, big time. It's uh and it's just there's so many different avenues and I I just think this is fun. Uh it's a fun way to do more than just do a top 5 list. Don't get me wrong, we will always do top 5 lists, but this seems like it it broadens it. It makes it a little more fun, especially when we obviously have um we obviously have more um people, but this will be fun. It'll be give more opportunity for both of us to include uh a multitude of albums from 1983 um having it just be the the two of us so this is i'm i'm excited same man yeah like i said i think what's cool about this is is like i said it's going to be a broad uh well at least i would assume uh we're going to touch on a couple different genres so well hell yeah so without any further ado let's get down to it 1983 albums draft any album that came out in 1983 if if an album is drafted that cannot be drafted again so it is off the board hmm. all right um i'm gonna spin i'm gonna spin and see who goes first perfect And it is Eric. Eric has the very first pick. Oh, very first pick. So uh, I'm just going to, yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to do, uh, it's tough because I'm just going to name albums, I guess, that I, that I think, I, I think I, I don't really have like, I didn't do like a one, two, three, four, and five. I don't know if you did uh, either, but my first pick would be uh, the Misfits Earth AD Wolf's Blood. Uh I don't need to talk too much about the Misfits. Uh, they're kind of changed my life, and I'm sure they changed your life. And uh, I know there's two different. Uh, there's like a vinyl release of this and a CD release that I think has different tracks. But 
and I I don't even know if they came out in the same year, but I know that at least the LP came out in '83. So, so Earth AD Misfits, my very first pick. So, did you have to think about that, or did you know for sure that Earth AD was going to be the very first if you got the first pick? Well, I knew, like, yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, I definitely looked at a list of other things that came out in 83 just in case, but I knew that record would, like, obviously it means a lot. But so, yeah, I kind of thought it would be, I don't think there's anything else on the list that really would, would I would have picked first, so. Okay. Well, all right. Well, wait, what time is it? <laughs> oh, it looks like I am next my first pick the first round of the 1983 albums draft is Def Leppard Pyromania very nice very nice maybe my most definitely in my top five most listened to albums as a child had the cassette also had the eight track I never listened to the eight track because I don't even know if we had a working eight track player in my house past like the early 90s but definitely had the cassette uh and then later the cd but grew up on the cassette uh classic album arguably the best Def leopard album i know hysteria obviously was commercially much bigger um but this was their first big breakout album in america they had uh a lighter hit with bringing on the heart heartache um um in what is that 1979 with uh high and dry or heartbreak rather um but yeah this is their you know fooling and fucking photograph and just juggernaut radio rock songs uh yeah historic right for them like i mean yeah is this their and i'm not gonna lie i'm not the biggest Def leopard guy i don't know too much but is this like their is this like their revered uh, a release or or is there is there better ones that beyond it? I mean, Hysteria was like Hysteria didn't take off initially. It took I think it took like seven or eight months before it actually started charting legitimately, and then they ended up doing poor because I think the first I think the first single on Hysteria was like Love Bites or something, and then you know it was like a year into it almost I think before they did Pour Some Sugar on Me. And then Hysteria ended up taking it off, uh, you know, take, you know, uh, taking off after Pour Some Sugar On Me came out and then uh, Rock of Ages. And I think there was like four or five singles on that Animal and Armageddon it and crazy videos. Um, but that's when they really like they it blew up. But before that, Pyromania was the benchmark. And no one thought in initially when Hysteria was released, mm-hmm. um, you know, four, five years later. Um, no one thought that it would ever top Pyromania because Pyromania was huge. It it was a multi-million album selling release for them. And, you know, this is, you know, this is the last album before Rick Allen lost his arm in the car wreck. Um, it, you know, those four, you know, arguably, you know, I think two or three years off where Rick Allen was recovering, a lot of drinking from, um, the entire band um and a lot of uh drug use and 
you know, no one thought that they were going to come and make an album bigger than Pyromania at the time. So at the time, up until, you know, a year into Hysteria coming out, uh, Pyromania was definitely their biggest album. And I think fans are probably, Def Leppard fans are probably, the more diehard fans are probably high and dry in Pyromania lovers. And then Hysteria opened them up, I think, to a bigger female audience. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd say maybe the men would probably pick Pyromania and the girls would probably pick Hysteria. Gotcha. As we know, Def Leppard loved the ladies and the ladies love Def Leppard. So. Oh, all, I mean, when you have a music video showing a bordello below your stage and then anybody who is who is a part of that or saw it said, if anything, they downplayed the how how crazy that shit was. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I've, I've heard the various, uh, you know, just from watching stuff or reading stuff throughout the years, some crazy stories about that. So just but yes, some insane, insane stuff. But yes, my number one pick, 1983's uh, Pyromania. I love it. I, I feel so, I don't feel bad, but I love it when you, I mean, the fans are going to like listening to you much more than me. You go, you take, you deep dive everything. And that's what I love about you as well, because you have the, you have the the knowledge. I mean, you just cut a straight promo on that record, and so yeah, I'm just saying that's awesome. I don't I don't have much else going on upstairs. Here. Just no, that. I'm just saying like it's great. Like I'm I'm I guess I'm you know I'm just gonna name albums I like, and I don't maybe don't have the most backstory on it, but it's good to, it's good to get this information. That's what I mean. It's awesome. Well, so. yeah. Well, you're you're on the you're on the clock here, Eric. So are we snake? We're snake drafting it. All right. All right. Uh, my next pick would be Holy Diver by Dio. Um, you know, the, his debut album, uh, Beyond Rainbow. Juggernaut. Uh, just Juggernaut. Like, you know, growing up, we always talk about the progression of, of uh, our musical interests in, in, in discovering things. And, you know, I think when it comes to some of the other more famous like metal bands or, or bands of that era, I might have there's a lot more I listened to before, but when I discovered Dio, it just changed everything. And then when I, you know, scratched the surface and found out that he was actually somewhat local to us and, and, uh, his vocals are just so powerful. It's like we talked about recently. Um, you know, the guy was a, just a, an insane front man and, and such, such a lyricist and his, 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 he had the golden pipes, but this obviously has maybe, I mean, I would say his two most, famous you know solo or you know dio songs holy diver and rainbow in the dark i would say that safe to say that those are his two most favorite famous songs on this record but uh you know stand up and shout opens the record such just such so great i I mean there was a time in high school where you know i just listened to this record so much so uh number two for me holy diver dio Now, we had just we have been talking about Dio a lot lately, mainly because last year the Dio doc dropped. That was great. Have you watched that yet? I have not, actually, which is sad to say, but no, I have not. So there's actually a little Def Leppard Dio crossover we got here because Vivian Campbell was obviously Dio's guitarist and he uh, ended up playing for or still does to this day plays for Def Leppard and has since Steve Clark died um, back in 91. Yeah, that's that's so. Um, I there's so much I like. I need to. I need to watch that to probably pick up some of these uh, backstories. But that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite song on Holy Diver? Uh, 
You know, I know it may just be. Uh, I mean, Rainbow in the Dark is just. I just love that song so much, and it's such like again, it's like kind of like his, you know, his his big his big jam. But I, I, I it would hard it'd be hard for me to say that it wasn't that, or or stand up and shout, probably one of those two. I would say. Um, but you know, a lot of bangers on this record as well. I just think they get overshadowed. I mean, we were talking. That's the thing too. I mean, Rainbow in the Dark's probably his signature song, um, right? And it's uh, I mean, an iconic. If there ever was an iconic keyboard lick, we got to thank uh, Jimmy Bain, the bass player, for just rolling up to a fucking keyboard and playing that, <laughs> and then they just added it in the song. It wasn't even meant to be there initially, but um. I'd have to go caught in the middle off. Uh, and actually, you know, Eddie Trunk just did a top 20 Dio thing where he reads his top 20 Dio songs and then he lets his audience call in and rattle oh. off their top 20. I okay. didn't hear one person have caught in the middle. Um, and I don't know if people don't appreciate that song because it's a little bit more of a pop, poppier song, but right, I love that song. That is my favorite Dio song, like of his definitely maybe of all dio's catalog that's awesome no that is awesome and you're right you don't hear people talk about it enough i mean and i think that's like the case with a lot of similar artists where you know i just think that some songs are so over i don't want to say overplay but you hear them so much that some of those you know some of those what people could just throw them in as fillers on the record but it's not the case for sure how great is don't talk to strangers too so good so Don't goddamn talk to strangers. <laughs> that would have been a, uh, you know, Dio, he's one of those people I would have loved to see live. That's for sure. I mean, just, just a fucking king. Unfortunately, gone much. Yeah, and really, in any any uh, incarn, you know, like any yeah. incarnation of him. Yeah, probably, he never like, he never dipped. He never lost it. Yeah, I mean, and I would I'd see him play with Sabbath or Rainbow or whatever. I mean, that would be cool. That would been that would have been great. So. All right, my number two pick the 1983 albums draft picks in the fucking picks in the pick is in number three. Number three is this three, right? This is three, yeah. Two is it three, two or three? No, no, that was my third or no, my second. I'm getting so confused here. I'm sorry, yeah. So, this is my second, exactly. Yep. So my second pick is 1983's debut solo outing from Billy Idol, Rebel Yell. Well, not his debut. You know, I mean, he's... Billy was... This uh, this album's another one that it's... It's burned in my psyche. Right. Like, just... I think White Wedding might have been the first... The first fucking... um, Uh the first video I saw okay. ever, like music, not ever, but like the, one of those ones from your youth that you're just, it constantly, like when I think of music videos and MTV, white wedding is the first video that I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, such an iconic uh, song. And then like that, I, you just picture everything that, you know, the, the cover of that record. And then like when we were very young too, like you said, like when you're first watching MTV and shit, or I guess even VH1, maybe you're like, you're hearing that song and seeing those videos a lot, you know? And initially I had bought Rebel Yelf hoping that White Wedding or thinking White Wedding was on it because I bought the cassette, like, I don't know, Ames or something. 
and realized that that was on his first record, his self-titled record. And it wasn't, but it was ended up being a blessing in disguise because although his debut self-titled is great, um, I love Rebel Yell so much more. The title track, Rebel Yell, is just amazing. Maybe, have you heard, there's been so many awesome covers of that. Him used to do a cover of Rebel Yell Live that was just fucking amazing. I might have heard that. I might have heard that. Maybe a video or so. But yeah, there are a lot of great covers of that. But like Blue Highway, Flesh or Fantasy is definitely like a, a jerk video for sure. <laughs> um, Yeah, it was just catch my phone. There's just fucking it's just it's hit after hit, at least in in my eyes. I think he only had three singles. Well, I guess it was right. four. No, he did release Catch My Fall as a single, I guess, from what I'm looking at right now. Um, but yeah. Rebel Yell comes out in um in late eighty three. Uh iconic album, iconic album cover. That's my second pick. And I always I always uh forget because that's what's funny too, is all these artists they would release albums so quick. You know, uh Idol's uh self title came out in eighty two, this came out in eighty three, and sometimes I'll forget that Rebel Yell wasn't eighty two. Right. Um and you know, it ended up coming out like a, almost two years later. But uh, that's the thing. Like Kiss, Kiss would release like two albums and fuck it, like an album six months after. What was it? It was uh, Rock and Roll Over came out like six months after Destroyer. Isn't that crazy? Like I said, the oh, dates, insane. the dates always give me was shit. Like I, and then I think I'll, I'll in my head I'll be like, I think something came out. Before it, before another, you know what I mean? I don't know. I always get so jammed with that shit. I'm not great for some reason, but. But that's what, that's what, um, you know, too, like music videos. That's a shame about music videos before we get to our third picks. Um, that's the thing about music videos too. The music videos would just live for years, especially in the eighties and the nineties. They would live for years that you wouldn't even like, I saw that music video in the night in the early nineties or whatever. Right. Um, and uh, I can imagine, like, if you're, if a year and a half later they were definitely playing the White Wedding video because it was fucking huge. So by the time they're still playing the White Wedding video, and Billy's got a new album coming out, I wonder how many people did that same thing that I did as a kid and went to go and went and bought Rebel Yell because that was the album cover I was seeing, like I had saw and was most familiar with. So when you're a kid, you don't think. And you're just like, well, yeah, that's definitely the album White Weddings on. This is before I was smart enough to look at the back of the record. You know, I'm literally talking like five, six years old. Like, oh, I love the White Wedding song. I want to have the a Billy Idol cassette tape. Yeah, I mean, it's isn't that crazy to think about though that like that and videos were that important that they would. Yeah, it's it's really years. it's really a beautiful thing. Honestly, I mean, I know it sounds cheesy, but like it really is like. It, uh, we consume things so differently now, but yeah, music videos were so fucking integral, right? Like, so integral. I mean, again, I think they still do them, but like some it people launched, do. But it it launched and carried records when MT after MTV came out. It launched and carried a record to success a lot of the time. Yeah, it's just that's just a wild concept to think about, isn't it? It's so minuscule. It seems like now, like you hear a song and or from a band you like. Uh, or you think you like, yeah, you discover them. Like, do you really even 
the thought of a music video is like an afterthought, you know. <laughs> like I don't, I know. I don't care if they ever put one out. To be honest with you, I mean, I'd like to see live footage or whatever, but yeah, it's it is weird how that's progressed. But you're right, though. I mean, so integral, and to think that you, you know, you saw that as a kid, and then you went out and you consumed, you you picked up that stuff, and it and it brought, you know, it's awesome. And that was, I mean, the video for Rebel Yell came out in '82. Or not Rebel Yell. Um, the video for White Wedding came out in '82 for his self-titled debut, and then oh wow, and then but because I was more familiar with the cover of Rebel Yell, I assumed that the big song Billy Idol's big song was on Rebel Yell, and that's why I bought it. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, that's the power, right? That's powerful. That's a good word for it. All right, the the third third round third round what is and how uh, many we're doing five rounds you said eight eight rounds oh i got plenty of that all right cool well at least i hope i do we haven't picked the same one yet i don't know if we're going to we might uh, not yeah i don't know i mean we're the, we like a lot of the same stuff but also yeah we i guess we very well couldn't there's and, and again, that that's the thing there's stuff on here that i know we would have crossover with but there's some things that one of us might prioritize over the other one just considering and if anybody knows me and knows usually like what they would assume I would like, I mean, you know, especially like when it comes to the 80s stuff, I can get, I get deep into like the pop realm big time. For sure. Well, uh, all right, we'll go with my number three here. Uh, my number three, again, I'm just kind of I'm spitballing, just throwing stuff out. My number three, I think is going to be the talking head speaking in tongues. Ooh, you robbed, um, me, robbed me of a pick. <laughs> uh, you know, the Talking Heads, I remember the first time I ever heard them, it was on the radio. A lot of songs we talk about, like, uh, when we were young, like, riding in the car with my parents or my dad, and the song comes on the radio. I have very, these vivid, um, you know, memories of certain songs that really, like, you know, kind of grabbed me. Talking Heads was one. Uh, it wasn't a, a song off of this record, per se. It was uh, Psycho Killer. When the first time I heard that, I was like, what is this? It sounds awesome. Yeah. But after I heard that, Again, I'm still very young, so you're not really going out and downloading stuff at that time. So uh, buying cassette tapes, uh, and I think my my mom might have had a, one of the cassette tapes. But uh, you know, when I this record is is I think there was their big like commercial success one. The one like I didn't even realize there was five records before this one, but I guess there is. Like it's yeah, it's nuts. But you know, burning down the house was like a huge, huge song for them. Huge. Um, you know, but this must be the place still to this day is like one of my favorite songs ever. David Byrne is just, a, you know, and I unfortunately I don't know a tremendous amount about everyone in the band that he's had. But David Byrne is literally like a fucking, you know, national like he's just a treasure to music. That dude is a genius. Uh, the uh, the way he approaches songs and how eclectic the talking heads were and are is is just insane. You have. The, the blending of so many different genres. And I just think he's a true genius. And, uh, you know, this has some other, obviously burning down the house was huge with some other bangers on it as well. Girlfriend is better. Yeah. And girlfriend. this must be the place, but, um, yeah, I just love talking heads so much. And I think, uh, I feel like they do get the credit they deserve, but, uh, I see. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that portion of the more like, there's obviously like the grittier when you talk those New York bands, especially all the New York bands that were on Sire, when you talk Blondie and Talking Heads and 
Ramones and all those bands that came out in New right. York. Um, I, it's so funny. I was reading, uh, I, I read it online. I never owned it until recently and I read it online. I remember the early, I don't want to say early days of the internet because the internet was obviously out there, but in the still like toddler stage of the internet in the early two thousands, uh, I remember when commando Johnny Ramone's, uh, autobiography came out and, uh, I loved that, like, the New York scene just seemed so... They seemed like they, they were kind of were all carrying the same buckets of water. Um, but I did love a, a hilarious quote Johnny had in that book, which, thankfully, I now physically own, uh, where he talks about how, how the Talking Heads... He's just like... He talks about how he couldn't stand... He's like, Talking Heads were a good band, but they tried to be too artsy. And uh, and he's just like, watch. I love talking heads. Talking heads are like, like one of my in my top fifteen all time bands. Uh, yeah, I mean, but, I'm right there with you. So, but yes. uh, it's so funny. It was just like all these guys wanted to get in these deep intellectual conversations. He was just like, we were street kids. Like we had jobs and stuff. We weren't like we didn't have time to be talking about art and shit. And he's just like, <laughs> he's like, you couldn't talk baseball with these people. <laughs> It's just, so, it's just like a fucking hilarious, like little, little thing that he said about uh, the Talking Heads, and it just popped me. But Burn, yeah, it's just a fucking. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, a they hair. do kind of, they do kind of bleed that. Uh, you can see them being like what, like elitist or like, yeah, that's so. That quote is hilarious. Oh my, I don't know if I've ever heard that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, and Blondie was almost like the middle ground. They were they like bridged that new waveness of Talking Heads, but also the grittiness of like say the Ramones. But I mean, those New York bands. I think I think New York City in the seventies is probably the most for me. Obviously, I'm uh, the Ramones are my favorite band of all time. Is the most important part or important piece of American music to me. I know people will will quote and say a bunch of other stuff, and I understand influence and roots. But for me, for what I think that like Blondie and television and the talking heads and the Ramones and what a lot of those bands did for creating alternative music into like what punk and real alternative music and, and like just goofball odd shit that wasn't like a foreigner song or anything like that. I think right. that shit had more influence on all the the punk Hard, even hardcore like it's so funny like people would never think like oh blondie it didn't influence hardcore it influenced alternative options to making music that isn't like just standard rock stuff i mean ramones probably had more of an influence on hardcore bands obviously than than um like blondie did but i think blondie like i don't know if you have bands like i don't know i don't know like rise against the donna's uh what's that fucking one band um i always thought they had like a talking heads thing to them um that people i don't think would initially get what's the the laura grace uh what's her name sings for um and her, she's oh you mean uh wait uh i'm drawing a blank here what, why, your, uh... why am i blanking on laura grace jane what's her name uh laura jane grace like yeah, uh against yeah me, yeah what, what yeah what was the band against me against me yes i said rise against but i meant against me uh against me like i feel like against me i i hear a lot of that new york new wave and punk stuff in a lot of their music especially like 
like losing touch like that song yeah that, like that stinks of talking heads influence i mean even if they ever tried to deny it they're indirectly influenced by talking heads no i mean i can see that i mean i i'm right there with you i think that people get kind of jaded and like narrow-minded to what they think influenced things but like yeah, I, I think I think you're 100 percent spot on with that. I, I mean, I would say that a lot of those bands in that era, in that uh, in New York or a lot of different places, have, you know, definitely affected the punk and hardcore scene. I I just think there's it's impossible to say they didn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially with the so many genres within genres as well. So it's like I think it all touches each other. It definitely does. All right. So my third pick. Third pick. Here we go. My third pick, 1983 albums draft, is actually truly the the self titled debut. Um, now how I incorrectly spoke and said that Reliel was Billy Idol's self titled was or uh, debut. Uh, Madonna's self titled album. I knew that's one thing I knew was going to get named today for sure. Uh I mean, I could speak for a long, 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 long time about what I think. I mean, facial surgery is aside in 2023. Um, I think her influence is fucking insane. Like Madonna became a verb. Uh, she she created what with especially with this album. You know, everybody burning up holiday, lucky star, borderline. Uh, you know, there would be no Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears without uh and there may even be merit to say I don't think there would have been a Madonna without Pat Benatar. Right. Because I love Pat Benatar too, and I think Pat Benatar doesn't get the flowers she deserves. But Madonna, as far as like a a solo female pop act, the you know, the Michael Jackson equivalent to the female version of the Queen of Pop, you know, so uh, Madonna self-titled. Yeah, it's just I, I feel like her first four records are. Fucking amazing and just untouchable. And this is Madonna record. I know that she hasn't shown her face much recently and she did. And there was a lot of guff about how she looked. I don't give a fuck about that. Uh, Madonna's an icon, and I think at, there was one point for a long time where Madonna was arguably, you know, one of the biggest stars in the world, if not oh, the biggest. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, time goes on, and and she hasn't done much lately, and the, and the state of music and whatever is different a bit. But you know, she uh, the term icon is is legitimate for her. I mean, oh. again, another person, if you really think about it, who's really kind of you know, surfed her way through a lot of different genres. Like she's had a, a tremendous amount of sounds and she was oh, yeah. so Big famous. Time. She's an actress and, and yeah, but um, yeah, Madonna's so big. Anybody who says that she, you know, I don't know anybody who says anything negative to say about her is kind of crazy in my opinion. She's kind of done it all. So definitely a torchbearer for, like you said, a lot of the, the acts uh, after her, uh, especially like the strong female, you know, Oh, yeah. I mean, Madonna was the first. It's so funny because people like uh, before we move on to our fourth pick, I, I do have to say, like, it's so funny that people like just got down on like 
especially like I guess like parents and stuff would get down on like Britney Spears in the Hit Me Baby One More Time music video or Christina Aguilera with the Genie in the Bottle video, just trying looking too sexy for youth and stuff like that. And it kills me, too, because Madonna like fought against that her entire career. And especially as she got into the late 80s, she would like a virgin and and shit like that. But even on these earlier records, um, she was always like very like, uh, I guess, pro sex. And I think she brought like she took a little bit. I mean, it's crazy. Sex is still in, in sex symbols and talking about uh, sex and music and stuff like that is still taboo to uh, a majority of like youth and parents of youth in America, which is fucking hilarious considering these fucking kids have access to like the most heinous fucking sexualized bullshit on like God's green earth on the internet. Right. But uh she she really did tear the scab off from like tabooed sex and music and stuff and you know put out a fucking an album in a fucking book like literally based all around it in ninety two called Erotica. But I digress. Madonna self titled <laughs> fucking a landmark year for fucking music, um, nevertheless, 1983. 100%. Yeah, I mean, think about what we've, na- we've named so far. We're only uh, about to be, what, about to be four in. I mean, four. we're, no, we're only halfway some... through. We, we fucking, we've already, we've already carved out the sound of an entire decade. <laughs> it's great stuff. All right, so um, is it me for number four here? You for number four. Uh, all right. So I think my number four is going to be the debut album of one of the probably the, one of the biggest band in the world, maybe right now. Metallica's Kill 'Em All. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Uh, you know, I think maybe with you too. I don't know. This is this is definitely not the first Metallica I've ever heard. Uh, uh, you know that something I found after I discovered a couple of their other records. But yes, I mean. This is just, in my opinion, like their most like I don't even know what the, the word I would be looking for, but just they're s- just straightforward and just kind of badass. The beginning of what is going to be like what I said now, like the biggest band on the planet. I yeah. mean, Seek and Destroy still a uh, something they keep in their set list. I know, obviously a legendary song, but Jump in the Fire, Four Horsemen, Motor Breath. I mean, they're just the whole record is is bangers. I mean, uh, you know. <laughs> I just think every record, not that they have any bad records in my opinion, but like every record up to the black album and the black album, including I th- included, I think are just, they're, they're all monsters. They're all fucking amazing. And then obviously, you know, you had Mustaine uh, on some of these songs and, and Cliff Burton rest in peace. But yeah, I mean, this just the beginning of the juggernaut of Metallica, um, just such a badass record. So, I mean, that is arguably like they're you could hear the youth so much in that record still where they have like a still that little edge of punkiness too. For sure, for sure. They were that's, trying to figure it out, you know. And that's one thing I do love about them still is like they're still like big proponents of like, you know, the motorhead, the the misfits and just like they especially Cliff, of course, well that was a big thing for him. I just love that they they you could see that in this record and then still to this day they obviously talk you know showed the love for those genres and those bands so yeah um if only well what if cliff burton never died what you know i think we've talked about this before i don't though. think he would have stayed in that band 
You think? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think he would have been there, but... he would have been out a while ago. What's that? He would have been out a while ago. <laughs> yeah, it'd be funny. Well, I know. Yeah, it'd be funny to think about. It, obviously, I also we just, we just have this vision of what he was like. And obviously, this is before like my time. I mean, but you have these visions of what you think he was like in whatever interviews or whatever you saw. Uh, it'd be funny to see him now, like at this age, just ripping on stage. You know. The weird question is, is I think he may have taken over as more of a leadership role than James or Lars. That's an interesting uh, avenue as well to think about. Yeah, because would know, they have been did, smoking Cuban maybe cigars? Maybe the trajectory of the band could have been way different. Yeah, would they have been smoking Cuban cigars and looking like Cuban pimps on the back of a uh, an album like Load <laughs> with with bovine blood and semen uh, mixed and piss on mixed on the record? I mean, that is the most Lars thing to do. Like, I'm really into art, so we're just like gonna do this. Yeah, that's so funny. I remember seeing those uh, the promo pictures and the pictures, and uh, Kirk uh, Hammett has these. They're like they look like a little bit like Ray Bans, but they're like the colored lenses. You know, like yeah. I just remember I wanted a pair of those so goddamn bad. Uh, that's neither here nor there since this record came out much beyond that. <laughs> but just, just a funny little, just a funny little uh, thing about that. Uh, Arguably yes, kill, kill the best, the best day. Do you think that's the best? Uh, kill 'em all is the best debut record from the Big Four of Thrash. Yes, yeah, because some of the other ones, well, like definitely better. I mean, not. Uh, I'd say I love Slayer more probably, but yeah, definitely better. You know, obviously Slayer's. I think it took a little I think bit for the, them. The idea of Slayer wasn't fully formed yet. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I would say probably. I would say probably. I'm trying to think of. Uh, definitely, for sure. I would say it was probably the best debut. It might even be one of the best debuts ever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of groups that their first record, maybe their first two records, are kind of finding their their sound you know Do what i mean you, like but before we yeah before we we move on to my fourth pick serious question and you don't need to go deep on it you can just give me a yes or no answer is rain and blood better than master of puppets oh that's tough <laughs> um uh, i don't know I don't. I can't do that. I can't answer that. I can't do that. I, I don't can. know. Rain and blood better than Master of Puppets. I would say my initial thoughts is to say yes, but I just think that like I listened to Master of Puppets so much more when I was younger, and now when I'm, you know, after my teenage years, I've listened to Rain and Blood more. You know what I mean? So I think at this point in my life, I'd probably say yes, but again, it's like here's. We always got these goddamn hard ass questions that we feel like we have to make each other answer. <laughs> so right. moving on, moving on. Your, your uh, fourth, right? My fourth, fourth. pick. True. So I need a. There was no way I wasn't going to pick this, and I probably could easily pick it later, but mm-hmm. I ha- I'm going to pick it now just because I have to. As a Ramones fan, I have to go Subterranean j- Jungle. By the Ramones, yeah. probably, arguably one of their weaker records. I was um, wondering if you're gonna, you know, just looking at '83. Like I obviously know this record. I I didn't. I guess I didn't know it was '83. But once I saw, it, I was like, I wonder if 
he's going to throw it on there, but I kind of figured you had to. Had to, because um, even even a weaker Ramon's record is still a, a Ramon's record. Um, outsider, highest trails of uh, highest trails above psychotherapy, uh, time bomb. A lot of great songs on here. A record that opens with two covers though. And it, uh, and I think it was, it's still with a little bit of soul and and I need your love. I do think that the, there was a still a little bit of, uh, like end of the century, Phil Spector stuff, them wanting to kind of maybe recapture that as much as they said that they abandoned that after the failed end of the century, end of the century didn't turn into the radio juggernaut and make them the biggest band of the world. Like it was supposed to. I still think that there were songs on this where they were trying to like capture that. Um, but regardless, albeit maybe a weaker Ramones record, uh, it's still Ramones record and psychotherapy is fucking amazing. Um, and they kept it in their set, like until the end, um, they didn't play outsider a lot at all. Mm -hmm. And I think outside of pun intended, um, like this era, I never really saw it in many sets in the eighties and I definitely didn't see it in any sets of the nineties. Luckily CJ, when CJ plays, um, he plays outsider sometimes, um, which he doesn't really play much anymore besides me first and give me gimme's, but I digress. Uh, yeah. Ramones favorite band of all time had to put subterranean jungle on here. And that should speak to how much I love the Ramones that even one of their weaker albums is the top four, five, uh, draft pick. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, top 10 is number 10, number 10 overall. They're your band. So it's like, uh, I understand completely. And, um, and like you said, even one of their re- weaker releases is going to be better than a lot of the, well, also more meaningful to you than a lot of the other albums that were released this year. So, yeah. or that year, I should say, I love to see it. I love to see you put them on there and I love, uh, uh, your love for the remotes. It's an amazing thing. Obviously it is. They're one of the greatest bands ever so greatest american greatest, rock band i was time. just gonna say also they're one of the greatest american rock bands ever which it's kind of funny to think about because when you think about all these great bands we didn't always... have zeppelin bro they weren't <laughs> they weren't homegrown bro. it's true i mean there was that the there's a lot of extremely influential bands um that are yeah that are foreign it's it's kind of interesting to think about and then even not even in like, I don't know when you when you talk to someone maybe our parents' generation, right? And the, and right. You, and they they if they were to name their favorite bands, you know, a lot of probably all foreign. Like it's crazy to think about. Yeah. So perfect. So moving on. Round five. Um, uh, round five for me. I am going to go with this. It might be. I don't. I don't know if it's surprising by any means but i just felt like it had to be on there um and it's uh out of step by minor threat wow i uh, forgot i forgot about that being an 83 album actually yeah yeah so you know you and i we we're we're around the same age and we uh we started going to shows in syracuse we lived in the suburbs of course and i think at the time we started going to shows um the hardcore punk well, I say hardcore scene was kind of at a, you know, a little bit of a weird uh, place where not not weird, but you know what I mean. It, was, it took on a much more metallic sound. You know what For I mean? Sure. 
Um, minor threat, obviously, you know, the, the quote unquote, uh, obviously Ian McKay with the, the straight edge movement, but they're the hardcore punk, you know, whatever you want to kind of really, whatever genre you really want to put them into the youth crew stuff or whatever. But obviously minor threat, uh, you, you'd put them in the pantheon of, of, of like the, you know, hardcore, I don't even know what you want to call it. The hall of fame of hardcore. I'm sure you would, there's, there's bands that people would name and minor threat. Obviously is fucking legendary. Um, they've influenced probably almost every, you know, 90% of the bands that I've listened to, of course. And I still listen to, of course, uh, whether that be a metal band, uh, a hardcore band, metallic hardcore, hardcore punk, punk, whatever. But, uh, Ian McKay, obviously super integral. He, the guy's been in so many different projects uh, with the post hardcore stuff and and really some incredible bands. Brian, you know Brian Baker, the, everybody in the in the group is uh, is legends. But just I mean, just talk about the influence that they had. Um, and like we talk about Slayer, remember we were just talk about Slayer. I mean, Slayer has obviously covered them. Big fans of theirs. It's just. Um, when I first heard Minor Threat, because uh, at that time, like I said, we were listening to like hardcore and kind of a much different uh, wheelhouse. But it just kind of broadened my horizons to realizing that there's, and like I was talking about the genres within the genres and how it all kind of connects. Um, and I just think uh, when I first heard him, I was blown away. So a DC band that, I mean, you're talking about an OG, the OG, the OG edge band. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the start to say you started a movement is uh, started a movement. I mean, obviously that uh, movement has taken a lot of different, uh, you know, everyone looks at it a different way, but that's it's just incredible. It's incredible. And that, yeah. like I always I always refer back to like Earth Crisis because Earth Crisis means so much to us and they were such a big band. But like the same thing, like they're just they have a different sound, of course, but obviously Earth Crisis is extremely uh influenced by minor threat you know what i mean and i think that's what i'm talking about just the trickle down effect and it, and it kind of had a lot of influence on us without even really knowing it probably at the time like when it, in our in our formative years you know oh I mean? yeah it's i mean that's the thing it was influencing us before we even heard it and exactly and for i mean if i'm if someone's saying like unbiasedly who are the greatest straight edge bands of all time i have three and if i had to name three Obviously, Minor Threat started it all. Right. Earth Crisis, the unadulterated kings, the kings of kings, not just because they're from Syracuse. <laughs> no, for sure. I think anybody, I think people, kids in California would say the same thing. So, um, and then for me, Throwdown, like especially the, er the early incarnation of Throwdown, the until 2000 even i love the first record that dave peter sung on like haymaker like keith was still playing guitar and that became a little bit less posy but i mean th those are my three all-time straight edge bands but i digress yeah minor threat is just so fucking important so influential like that record like out of step is just so fucking it's fucking crazy the influence that 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 record had for a band that really wasn't around all that long for that no tour. that's what and that's what's crazy too i think that's like a, maybe a timing thing but uh yeah i mean really not they weren't around all that long but just they're like as know. big as so you could probably say the greatest toronto raptor of all time is Kawhi leonard 
<laughs> like minor threat is in, is as important to hardcore in the same time frame maybe a little <laughs> bit longer but like you just roll into Toronto win them a title and get the fuck out that's pretty much what minor threat did minor threat rolled in Bro, I've got the straight edge and fucking rolled out and it was fucking the greatest fucking <laughs> hardcore band of all time. That's putting it that way is fucking hilarious. I, I would love <laughs> amazing. Just amazing. Perfect. Uh so your number five. My number five. My number five. My number five. <laughs> Another juggernaut. Another album and band that you could say kick-started a movement that definitely 110% without this band, I don't know if a lot of the other bands of the like, while all those bands uh, superseded all the expectations that was laid before them when this album came out, I do think that this, this album started it all for hair metal. I mean, as much as kind of hate that term i'm going quiet riot metal health awesome so awesome it's you know this is it almost became formulaic um you know even like you get a cover song on your record that's the big hit um that a lot of bands took that i think influence from the success that uh quiet riot had while doing you know come on feel the noise which is a slave cover i do Mm. think i think that that became formulaic like we're going to cover a song and make it better or make it sound more relevant and that's going to be the hit single and yeah we're good that's what we're going to fucking do uh just uh like metal health the song which is Ben build is bang your head too. So metal health parenthesized bang your head. Um, Frankie Benali, a fucking amazing drummer underrated in the pantheon of, of drummers. So fucking good. Obviously you have a fucking crazy, uh, crazy, the crate one, maybe one of the craziest looking and oddest looking frontmans and Kevin Debro. <laughs> he had a great look. I only know this from watching the music video. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, again, yeah. like you're talking early '80s, so the music video is so fucking king. Uh, so and, and obviously our boy Rudy, Rudy Sarzo, fucking on bass. Rudy, fucking maybe an all time, an all time gentleman in in heavy muse. Yeah, seems like it. Um, but yeah, it was just fucking. Obviously, Randy Rhodes played in some of the earlier incarnations of uh, of Quiet Riot because Quiet Riot had albums out before this. Uh-huh. But this was the album, like, I think their first couple records aren't available in America or weren't at the time. They weren't, you couldn't get them in America. Um. So, yeah, okay, so I am right. I'm not a fucking idiot. Um, Quiet Riot, self-titled, came out in 78. Japan only released in March of 78. Of course. Quiet Riot 2 released also in December of 78. Again, we were talking about multi-albums in, in less than a year span. Same year, Quiet Riot 2 released Japan only. And that was in the 70s. So they went on like a hiatus and were 
apparently couldn't get those records fucking pressed in America. And then 1983, five years later, uh, five years later, almost to the day from when the first Quiet Riot came out in Japan only, Metal Health comes out. And it's for all intents and purposes their debut record. Definitely in America, their debut record. But come on, feel the noise, mental health. I mean, it's fucking a juggernaut. One of the most iconic. Again, I had this fucking cassette. One of the most iconic covers of the 80s. For sure, yeah, times. for sure is. I, I mean, I don't, I know the cover. Just again, I don't know much, super a lot, my, a lot about Quiet Riot, but I know this record. I know that cover. It's it, iconic as a term. It's interesting that uh, to have releases like that where they're like around Japan only or something. That's really strange, right? Like you don't. I guess you mm-hmm. don't. I mean, I know you have imports and stuff that, and maybe albums that come out with certain songs for certain countries, but that's kind of crazy. And those were the records I think that Randy Rhodes played on too. That's nuts, yeah. Um, but yeah, Metal Health by Quiet Motherfucking Riot. Unfortunately, Kevin DeBro and Frankie Benali are no longer here. Um, Rudy Sarzo is keeping the band alive and thriving. Um, per Frankie Benali's requests, with John Kelly playing. Uh, yeah, John Kelly, and, and didn't Rudy just play with Jericho somewhere? Right, like on the yeah, cruise or on, something? on the cruise, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Big rude dog. He was on his pod too, wasn't he? On his pod at one point. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do recall listening to that one. Rudy, great voice. Rudy's got a great voice. I know. Not, I just mean like his actual accent. He's got a great accent. Oh yeah, maybe an all-time accent. Ah, oh, so all right. So is it number my number six, right? Number six. Number six, and again, I love that we're just like kind of skipping around to genres and just touching on everything. Uh, I went from you know talking heads and minor threat to. Metallica, Choir Riot. Riot. We got Madonna. So I'm loving it. So my number six would be uh, Peace of Mind by Iron Maiden. Yeah, the, this was this was going to be a later pick for me, but um, yeah, the I band that you... makes grown men cry. You know, I just love Iron Maiden so much. This one, obviously, uh, you know, The Troopers has so many good songs. Flight of the Icarus, Die with Your Boots On, Where Eagles Dare. I know just from I remember I read before and just reading it about it again. This was like their first record with uh, a new drummer. Um, and I think a big success for them in, in, in the U.S. and in, in the U.K. are like a really critically uh, acclaimed record. Uh, this, You know, these guys are all legends. I mean, they fucking got Dickinson. Like we talk about fucking flying the goddamn jets everywhere. Fucking playing for four hours, making Grumman cry. They have a illustrious history this uh maybe not my favorite of their records but uh definitely a banger it's tough when you talk about these bands um and they just they're kind of they're stacked especially the early days um but 83 man what a time to be alive huh i know jesus christ it's not that we were alive but (laughs) not not my what a time it would have been to be alive i guess yeah Um, right exactly not my favorite maiden record either and i'm not gonna lie I only was selective on my maiden stuff all the way up until maybe 15 years ago. I was, I was way, I'm way, and still to this day, like I definitely love maiden and, and have a huge, uh, love for maiden now, but growing up, like getting into and discovering all these bands, I was way more Judas. I was so much more Judas priest. Like I wouldn't even really even fuck with, um, 
Maiden all that much at all. Um, and then you know, new new like you know all the the crazy tracks that everyone knows. You know what I mean? The for sure, for sure. The, the Trooper think- and and even Die with Your Boots on, which is is on this record too. But um, I knew a lot of songs, but I wasn't like. I wasn't like as into them as I was Judas Priest. Like I love and knew a lot of Judas Priest. I think um, um, I think I'm with you though. I I do think like if you had to put the two together, like I always felt like I I loved listening to uh, to Judas uh, a lot more. I don't know or something about maybe their Iron Man just uh, not that I'm the Iron Man just always seems so much bigger to me. You know what I mean? Right. Like I don't yeah. know how it was back in '83, but. I just like, I don't know, the spirit of Judas Priest. Again, we don't have to go back and forth on the two, but I don't know. I'm with you on that, though, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, it's, I mean, it's funny now. They're fucking ten times the size of Judas Priest now. They sell out fucking stadiums. Yeah, it is interesting to see. I mean, I saw Priest not that long ago in an arena, you know, all right size arena. But, yeah, I mean, I think the last time Maiden played Philly, they played at the fucking football stadium, so... I think that's the that's the difference there. So is this my number six pick, right? This is six, yeah, yeah, yeah. Number six in the nineteen eighty three albums draft for me is Tears for Fears the Hurting. Nice. Had this on had this on my list, I will admit I had this on my list for sure. Yeah, just uh I mean I'm a songs for the big chair guy for sure, but the hurting Every time I revisit the hurting, I was just like, I'll always get like three songs and I'll be like, is this better than songs of the big chair? I think it is. Um, It's just a, it's just a crazy fucking album. Um, You know, and they were putting out, I think, I think the first, they put out songs way before. Yeah. I'm not wrong. I am right. Okay. Uh, Suffer the Children released as a single in October eighty one. The album didn't come out until March of ninety or eighty three. Mm-hmm. Uh Pale Shelter, March of eighty two. Mad World, September eighty two. And then Change, which might be up there with one of my favorite um Tears for Fear songs. But yeah, uh obviously Mad World 2, which uh anybody who is a hot topic. Donnie Darko loving fan in 2001 knows Mad World not by the Richard Kelly version, um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know Tears for Fears, one of those bands I feel like maybe people don't realize how big they truly were. They were like one of those Britpop bands that had a synth uh, element to them that were just fucking ginormous in the fucking 80s. And this record, I just, I love uh, so much. Another debut record. A lot of debut records or, you know, second, third records um, from bands in 1983. It was just, the hurting is just so fucking good. And it's really, I, it's funny when people try to, people really blow the cure, like really bad, lipstick and all. Big time. And don't get me wrong, I like The Cure. I like The Cure. I don't love The Cure. I love Tears for Fears. I love The Smiths. But I don't... I mean, come on, though. I would say that I... I think just from pure listening, like what I've listened to throughout my life, I would say that I've listened to more of Tears for Fears than I have of The Cure, but you are 100% right about that. I think 
I mean, I would say like nine out of ten times, people are the cure gets more love than than you know what I mean. Not that you have to put the two together, but right, you're so right about that. And I think sometimes it's like you talk about maybe, especially with people when we're kind of around later, like maybe you don't realize how big certain bands were, but right. I probably don't even know the full weight of how big Tears for Fears were, were, but how big they were, but I know that I love them. So. Absolutely. All right. Am I moving on here? Moving on. Uh, number seven for me uh, is going to be uh, Merciful Fate, Melissa. Had the debut, debut album, obviously, of, uh, of Merciful Fate. Um, so a little backstory and you'll like this because you, you know who I'm talking about. Nobody else is going to know and he'll never listen to this podcast. So <laughs> I discovered, uh, merciful fate through Chad Halsey. Uh, and it was because we, well, it was mostly because we, he had, uh, we used to listen to music at his house all the time when we were growing up and he, he played King diamond. We used to play this King diamond record all the time, a couple records all the time. And then, uh, within reading about him, uh, realized you know, so I heard King Diamond first, then checked out Merciful Fate after. Um, and it was just, you know, at that time, you're, like I said, in your formative years, you see a picture of King Diamond. You're like, this guy's fucking rules. Oh, yeah. You know, who doesn't love a dude with a fucking top hat with his face painted uh, with upside down crosses and shit. Uh, so uh, all, uh, instantly attracted to that, you know, when you're young and you're into horror and that kind of shit, that stuff kind of attracts you you to it. So, um you know, I didn't. I downloaded. I didn't own a physical copy of uh, Merciful Fader King Diamond for a long time, and uh, so I just obviously downloading and listening to it that way. Uh, I just think, you know, he's, and I was even naive to it. Like King Diamond is, is just so influential. Like his, his look, uh, his lyrics, uh, the way he delivers his lyrics. You know, his voice. Uh, and they're really kind of just like torchbearers of almost, uh, I mean, I know they say the corpse paint is what they call it. Like he's like, people say he's like the one who kind of started all that. And uh, I just think super influential. I recently had the chance to see them. Uh, and it was, you know, year, you know, as an adult, as a 37 year old adult, it was amazing to see the dude still has insane pipes and they still play these old ass songs. Um it was just just so amazing and then like i said like the title track obviously melissa's amazing curse of the pharaohs into the coven i just think that another one we're kind of like i think the bands that we listen to like the slayer and whatever they they have so much respect for them but i don't know if people really think about how much you like yeah just how influential they they, influence yeah and it's just yeah, 83 is another debut. Like, it's just, I mean, think about some of the debuts we get or just some of the, it's crazy. Yeah, it really is. I mean, 83, you know, now that we're talking about it, I always think, like, uh, man, I'm, I guess I didn't realize how big 1983 truly was for a lot of bands and a lot of genres and the shaping it did for music with a lot of these albums that we're talking about. I Yeah, I definitely didn't. Like I said, I'm, I'm blind to the to the years sometimes, but then if you thought about like now, like when we do lists of mu- of of albums that come out, say in 2022 or 2023, you know we do those lists because we usually do year end stuff. But it's like you're really kind of sometimes to do a ten, you're like scraping, you're like, but imagine like these 
fucking years where you just have like banger and bang like, oh, like it's insane like it, to be I, around at that tough time i couldn't imagine going into like a record store and like trying to just these, decide yeah. on what you're gonna buy and i would feel constantly feel overwhelmed like fuck there's like seven albums that came out in the last five <laughs> months that i need yeah just being on like the front lines of it too you know what i mean like you're there when something so amazing is dropping it's something that's gonna be a part of someone's life for like ever you know it's gonna influence people to i mean you know we're the same way like i think like you just by looking at someone you get an overall like vibe of like i, I know it's like kind of i don't know what i want to say shallow to say but like you get a vibe of like what they kind of what they're into what they are a bit and some of these bands that we're naming like shaped people's lives you know what i mean right it's so. uh yeah i mean melissa is fucking such a, a fucking amazing album art too yeah, they're, they're, I mean, so good. So good. So, all right. My second to last pick in the draft, round seven. Round seven. Round seven. So this is what? One, two, eight rounds, 16 picks. So this is the 14th pick overall. 14th pick, yes. Uh, Maybe my favorite guitarist of all time. Maybe my second favorite. I go back and forth with him and Eddie Van Halen. Uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble, Texas Flood debut album, 1983. Nice. So sick. So sick. Uh, I fucking, again, like Stevie Ray Vaughan, like those first three records are burned in my brain from Satch having the cassettes and just listening to them non-fucking-stop. And it was one cool thing about um, 95X, you would always hear stevie ray on 95x they would always play something pride and joy fucking uh love struck baby some they're always playing something um but yeah amazing record uh one of the most amazing guitarists of all time and i feel like does not get talked about enough um uh true texas blues uh you know in true blues fashion does a lot of covers makes them his own does new spins on them, but has uh, original material mixed in there as well. Um, just fucking, fucking, fucking amazing. Just so good. Um, gone way too soon, and obviously that plane wreck uh, in the early 90s, just a travesty. I love Stevie Ray Vaughan so much, um, and Stevie Ray is definitely my my summertime music. I listen to a lot of Stevie Ray in the summertime. Yeah, I think it's so awesome that you, I mean, obviously I know kind of baseline like uh, you know some of his stuff and how influential he truly is i think it's so awesome that you were like you're such a big fan of his and 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 i think another like super influential dude that maybe people don't think about you know what i mean like the bands who are these bands think about it because they're influencing but i've been from the fans perspective you know what i mean yeah it's and it's because you know if he was still around who knows like how much even more influence he would have but he's a guitar player's guitar player. Like he just had more fucking style in his pinky finger than most people had, like all together too. Just like feather in his fucking in that like western fucking you know because he wore those hats. They weren't cowboy hats. They were like those those western bandit hats and just fucking. He looked like a crazy fucking Texas gypsy. It was just he's the man. He did. He did have a sick look. He's a, he's someone I don't. I would actually like to to know more about because I feel like I don't even know if I've ever seen like 
oh. an interview with him or anything. You know what I mean? They like, got a couple like pieced together, like uh, half-assed docs. They don't have a real doc on them that I've seen, unfortunately. But they do have like um, they do have a couple like pieced together, like interviews with like time periods and kind of dive into the crash a little and stuff. But nothing significant, and it's a shame because I feel like that might help someone like him and his legacy and those albums kind of get more exposure. So hopefully we get it one day. Yeah, that would be awesome. Cause I feel like, you know, just from maybe, and, and again, maybe I just don't know cause I don't have eyes to it, but you know, I just feel like I don't, there's so much more I would like to know. I could know about him. And I feel like you don't see it. You haven't seen it that much. Uh, talked about it a little bit, but you know, it'd be cool to know the backstory. Yeah. And so awesome that he makes this topic, this eight for you. Yeah, he had to. He had to, without a doubt. All right, so we're going last my round. Pick here. There's like a couple. So, like, I just feel like I'm doing myself some injustices. Like, there's a couple I could go with. I just, I feel like I'm. I don't know. Like, I'm just trying to think of like what ones I, if I could go back in time, and I was there for it. Like, what would I be the most pumped about? I think my last one would be another debut album from. A, a legendary punk band uh, and i think you you probably know what i'm going to say but mommy's little monster by social d you staked social my last pick <laughs> i now i feel bad about that i can go back you can take it if you like all right sorry right, i have a backup all right uh yeah so i just think when it comes to like like a sound and a vibe and a look um mike ness is that you know what i mean like For i sure. don't if I was to make a list of some of the coolest people in the world, especially in the music uh, industry, Mike Ness. We it's funny because we actually just talked about Mike Ness rocking the the cabbie or whatever hat with that picture with Bad Religion recently. But um, yeah, Social Distortion was just something um, uh, you know uh, on my journey throughout music, hearing them, and I, I his voice has such a different sound. Um, and again, another band that, especially for like the California punk scene, just so influential. There's a lot of bands I really look up to, uh, front men that I really like that you could tell kind of, I don't want to say, you know, stole, but like copped Mike Ness's style. Big time. Um, and, and obviously the title track from this, Mommy's Little Monster, so awesome. You know, Moral Threat, um, all the answers. Th- this record is is just a great, and again, like I said, another just kind of monumental debut record. Uh I would never be as cool as Mike Ness, but it, uh, he would be on the short list of people I would definitely want to want to be like. So um, I know this was in, but I didn't. I never played, but I just reading up on this album a little bit earlier, I saw that it was in like uh, one of the later Tony Hawk games and Metallica's Guitar Hero. I thought that was really cool, and I know a lot of bands have covered Social Distortion throughout the years, including some songs on on this record. But just, and I know you'll you'll agree, just another monumental like debut record and which again i think is kind of i usually think bands you know usually take a little bit to find their their sound uh, some i guess but it's just really awesome when a band just hits the ground running you know what i mean and they definitely did it with this so yeah they uh they established that punk sound and obviously ness and um social d were featured in that the first decline of Western civilization film. Yeah. Um, and he was just a little kid. He was still living with his, uh, you know, he was a teenager still living with his parents. Um, it's interesting about social D cause this record, honestly, I didn't re I didn't discover this record until after 
I heard the self-titled because the self-titled was huge for me. Huge. Same. Yeah, it's funny because yeah, I hate to take away from some of the, uh, and I and I feel this way about a lot of the records we named today, right? Like uh, you're naming it because of the year, but if you were to do a list of that out or that band, oh, yeah. you, it would be your first first choice. And, th- and I'm right there with you. This was not the first record I heard. Um, the the so I'd say I think everyone like you just said the self-titled so big. Yeah, just fucking huge. And I backtrack because I heard that first, and then right. uh, something uh, between heaven and hell, uh, and then and then uh, white light white he white white trash, and then I went back and then just discovered yeah, those, monster, and then prison bound. Those three records, the uh, the you know, somewhere between and and social and the uh, um, you know the subtitle before that, and then white light. Though I think those three records are like amazing, and like it was like a saying about Mike Ness and his vibe, like the the punk, the country, the blues, yeah. all those mixed together. Like that's that's us to a T. Like we we have great respect for real country music, you know, all blues. Like you just talked about with Stevie Ray, punk, like the melding of that shit. Because yeah. you know how there's so many closed minded people back in the day, and there still is. And I just think again, like seeing someone out there who's like, oh fuck, like. They're punk. They like Johnny Cash. They like whoever. You know what I mean? Like it's cool as shit. So well, they're to your to to your point too. There's a lot of guys that you say are definitely like copping NASA style. They're still trying to hunt down that social D punk country blues rock and Billy, oh yeah for sure rock and roll Americana fucking sound. They're still trying to perfect it. Mike Ness did it fucking in the eighties. 83 too, which is yeah. I mean, if you really, I mean, Mommy's Little Monster was definitely like more punk. And like, yeah, for sure, after for sure. once prison bound came around and like, then it started, he started really yeah, emphasizing the... those other, those other genres. But, you know, it's funny that album comes out in 83. He is so fucking, he's fucked up on drugs. He ends up going to jail and then they don't put out prison bound for another five years. I know there's a gap there. Um, you know, we always think about like how we grew up, you know, I know we grew up, me and you kind of grew up in similar fashions of like, you know, we grew up in a small town. We maybe didn't have, uh, you know, our parents provided for us, but we weren't rich by any means. But and then you hear some of the stories of some of these guys in bands, like we'll hear them on pods or whatever, and you're like, man, these guys, like, they lived rough. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I was just thinking about that recently. Like, anytime we listen to a pod, we're like, you hear about some of these up- people's upbringings. And like, man, like, I had it, like, pretty rough. Like, I would say that we had it r- I, I, I don't know. It's We're towing the line. I'm not saying me and you had it rough, but, you know, you know how the town we grew up in and, some people were definitely more well off. So, and I think that kind of, yeah, and yeah, I know it sounds sure. cheesy, but we always talk about like connecting with a band outside of the music as well. Like, you know, it's not just about the music for me always. Like sometimes there could be two bands or two musicians that kind of sound similar, but if one of them, I feel like I connect with more like personally, like, you know what I mean? Like, and I just feel like they're a band like that. I mean, I think anybody that we named today kind of is, but it's, that's a beautiful thing about music, you know? No, big time. And I'm actually I'm partially glad that you snake that from me because I just realized that a huge blind spot on my list and I'm glad I'm going to be able to incorporate it now. I cannot wait to hear. Let's hear the very last pick uh, in this 83 draft. The 16th pick. Uh, Six, what do we got? The very last, the 16th pick. It's uh, Journey, Frontiers. Um, 
yeah, that this was definitely on my list, and and I, I almost said to the last two, I, I just didn't, uh, you know, I almost it's did. My favorite journey record. Um, I completely like. I was just trying to think of all off the top of my head. And then before about 15 minutes before we potted, I Googled, I was like, albums in 1983. I was like, did I miss anything? And like, yeah. for the most part, like it was nothing that I was going to add to the list I already had. Um, but I, I just, uh, I was just like, is there, cause initially my last pick was if, if you, since you snaked uh mommy's little monster, I was going to go with suicidals, uh, self-titled self-titled. Yeah. But Frontier is definitely I'm way bigger fan of than Suicidal's first record. Um, yeah, it's just a fucking. Uh, I know people, especially with Journey, they'll go Escape like immediately. Escapes like the go to Journey record, especially from the '80s. Um, Frontiers for me, I fucking love this record. Uh, I love the title track. It's probably my a top three song for me. Uh, there's just so many fucking obviously faithfully maybe the greatest fucking touring <laughs> music song ever written separate yeah. ways separate ways obviously is still as big of a song as it was in 83 like is as big now because they had it in fucking watch stranger things too yeah yeah uh, something I, I learned about this record too they did a re-release like i read on wikipedia in 2006 and they added uh only the lonely from uh, the Vision Crest soundtrack, which I thought was kind of cool. Yes, they did. And I, I love. Have, I have obviously. that CD too. Yeah, yeah, I ha- that's awesome. Yeah, I have the the Vision Quest soundtrack. I know we we're both big fans of that movie, and that uh, that soundtrack is a is a banger. With this record, um, as we're wrapping this up, with this record, I do think that they captured a sonic sound too. Like if you listen to the last two tracks on the original the original release. Is Frontiers. Uh, and then Rubicon, like, I don't know. They just captured like a sonic sound to make the record sound cohesive. And each song like goes like even they can you can have like these crazy, intense, epic songs like separate ways and even right. Frontiers. But then you can also have like Faithfully and uh and it's just and after the fall like that are, are a little bit more like i don't know like a like a step back and this is also the first record uh he didn't write on it technically but i think he started touring on it um not long after i think he he did it was randy jackson american idol fame yeah. uh, just the idea that he was in journey is so fucking great he returned too, but then he got really sick, and he—I don't think he's played with him since he was supposed to return. Because Ross, Valerie, and um, which is funny now because there's like six different lawsuits going on with Journey. Currently, there's one going on between Neil Sean and fucking Jonathan Kane. Um, but uh, Ross, Valerie, uh, is currently like suing them to like was suing them. I think they lost that. <clears throat> they lost that uh lawsuit, like Ross, Valerie, and um. I'm blanking on the other fucking kids or guy's name. And what are they? What are they suing him for? So I think it was like use of the name, and I think, I think they were technically like they hired a merch company to sell Journey merch, and they were selling Journey merch and not like cutting anybody else in. Um, and then right. there was a there was a dispute over like them owning like more rights to the name because I think they when they left initially they sold off their rights and then they or they pretty much got back into the band as hired hands. So they weren't, it wasn't an equal split. 
it was just owned by I actually think Steve Perry Steve Perry owns his portion of Journey still so he has he has say in like re-releases and shit like that and then the other two it's split between is Jonathan Cain and Neil Sean and Neil Sean and Jonathan Cain are currently in a lawsuit but also currently touring with each other um and Neil Sean literally was tweeting and just like calling Jonathan Cain out like for one using like the songs that like uh Republican like things uh cuz he's a Republican but oh also Neil Sean and his wife who is the their manager got called out for using all their Amex cards and shit like that maxing out all the band cards on personal fucking shit and Jonathan Cain's bringing him to court over that Jesus. Yeah, but they're props to them though putting the bullshit aside and still going out there and they still got money talks uh Yeah. It's a real businessman, huh? Real real business person. I I commend it. I can only commend it. I love Frontiers so much. Uh so it's my final pick in the 8th round, 16th pick in the uh, 1983 albums draft. Love it, man. This was a lot of fun to you know, I definitely had Frontiers on on my list. Did you have uh anything else I named other than Social D was that you know even um, well I'm sure some of it was maybe on your list but were you planning on saying any of them? Uh nothing I don't think that you said. Uh I did have like uh, Merciful Fate. Um, I had as like a safe pick if you snaked all my shit. I had <laughs> uh, Police Synchronicity. Um, but like I like that album a lot and it's like nostalgia for me. But I would not not one of the albums that I put on there would I pick over or would I not pick over? I wouldn't pick that over any of the albums that I already had on my list. Gotcha. I think that's awesome, man. I think that's, that's really awesome. Like I said, so we obviously get along with a lot of the same music, but I think it's cool that we had a kind of differentiating lists. So I wasn't sure, like I figured maybe like Metallica, I thought maybe, or social D I, th- I thought talking heads as well, of course. I did have, um, again, it was going to be a safe pick, and I do love the record. It's my favorite new New Order record, but Power, Corruption, and Lies. I had uh, that. I had that on my list as like a backup as well. Um, I had Talking Heads on my list. That one I probably would have ended up naming. I'm not sure, but I couldn't put Shout at the Devil. I don't know why. I just couldn't bring myself. I did have sure. ZZ Top Eliminator on there as a backup. That, yeah, I had that on my list. Didn't have Molly Crew. I, uh, I didn't. I just didn't. I don't know. I just not. I did not have that. But I definitely had ZZ Top. ZZ Top fucking kings as well. So I I took a couple more down just in case. I took down um, what else did I take down? Show No Mercy, and it's my least favorite yeah. Slayer record. So I wasn't gonna put that one. I that was I had that. That would, and I was thinking to myself, man, this would be just like kind of a scam. Like I like, I love Slayer to death. I don't think I ever. I rarely go back to that record and listen to it. Very rarely. Yeah, I start Hello Waits on. Which just sucks, but nobody's I mean, listening. Nobody's listening not... to Metal Magic, you know? But you know what I mean? Nobody's going to listen to Metal Magic by Pantera. No. Watch I imagine. No. Although that Power Metal album, the first record they did with Phil when they were still like that party, <laughs> like glam band, that one's awesome. Yeah. They have a song called. Uh, pussy tight that is fucking hilarious <laughs> and super heavy. That's such an interesting. Well, we don't have to get into it now, but the Pantera fucking hair metal. Oh yeah, but yeah, this was a good one. Uh, I look forward to doing more of these drafts for sure. Um, 
Yeah, well, uh, we should maybe, I know the listeners here has talked about it, but we got Monster Mania coming up soon, so maybe we can do something for that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we always hit the Cherry Hill Monster Mania in, in um, which is uh, near the Philadelphia region, not far from, and being in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, is uh, a baseball throw away from Philly, and Eric's not far from Philly, so we go down to Eric's and spend the weekend uh, at his homestead and attend Monster Mania and have done that for fuck a long time now. But, um, but yeah, uh, uh, twice a year in Cherry Hill and once in, in PA and at the very least. Uh, so, so yeah, we'll definitely have to, we'll have to definitely have to talk some uh, Monster Mania con stuff for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll, it'll be fun to kind of recap that weekend. So, well, all right, folks, you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter, Heart Guide Media. I think we're going to have some stickers here coming soon. So we'll yeah, give possibly some... possibly some other goodies as well. We'll have some stickers and maybe some other stuff, too. We'll so be, you... on the, be on the lookout. That's right. We'll let you in on that. And uh, you can follow on Instagram and Twitter, Heart Guide Media. And check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all that bullshit. Um, where our podcast is at, always free. You can check it out. We won't charge you not yet we're gonna start charging you soon not really but we may who knows um (laughs) you have to send a cosmic brownie to bt every time every time you listen to an episode uh one one private message to chongo and one 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 dm to chongo but yeah thanks everyone this was fun 1983 albums draft uh we'll do some more of these because they're fucking fun hell yeah